Hey, as we get started today, I wanna ask you what your favorite childhood book or story was when you were growing up. Do you have one? Now, maybe you weren't much of a reader when you were a kid, but maybe your mom or dad or one of your grandparents would read you a bedtime story. Do, do you have one that comes to mind? Maybe talk about it with the group of people that you're watching this with, or better yet, why don't you throw it into the chat? We, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, maybe uh, for you, it was uh, Dr. Seuss's uh, Green Eggs and Ham. Or maybe his other book, uh, Oh, The Places You'll Go. Maybe it was that classic book from elementary school, Charlotte's Web. Uh, my personal favorite was Good Night Moon. I, I love that book. In fact, I would read that book to my kids when they were little. And uh, admittedly, it got a little awkward a few years ago whenever they were like, Dad, like we're teenagers, we're done with Good Night Moon. And I was just like, it's a good book. Like I wanna read it. What about this book? Uh, Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. Now, unless you've been living under a rock here lately, uh, perhaps the title of that book describes how many of us are, are feeling nowadays. I know that there've been plenty of mornings where I wake up looking a lot like Alexander on the cover of that book. If you're not familiar with the story, Alexander is this little boy who wakes up in the morning and he just knows he's gonna have a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. For starters, uh, he goes to bed at night with gum in his mouth and the next morning it wakes up in his hair. Uh, he goes into the kitchen to have breakfast and his brothers, they get prizes in their cereal, but Alexander only gets cereal in his cereal. He doesn't get the window seat on the bus that he wants. His best friend tells him he doesn't wanna be friends with him anymore at recess. Uh, at lunch, they run out of dessert. After school, he goes to the dentist only to discover that he's got a cavity. Alexander's just having a rough day. And I, I would imagine that uh, all of us have had moments in which we've just uh, had days that, in which things just don't go our way. And in those seasons, it's natural, it's human even, to wrestle with negative thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. But what we choose to do with those negative thoughts, feelings, and behaviors actually is a really big deal because it is shaping the person that you are becoming. And another word for this idea of, of becoming would just simply be the word growth. Growth is this idea that you and I are becoming someone different. We, we are changing. We are uh, hopefully um, getting better. And growth is not neutral. Like you're either growing or you're, or you're not. But here's the thing about growth. Growth always implies some sort of resistance. Um, think uh, an adolescent who is going through growing pains as they experience a growth spurt one summer. And it's painful because gravity is resisting the growth. Or think about a seed in the soil and it's resisting the, the dirt so that way a plant can, can grow. Uh, growth always implies resistance of some kind and resistance is usually painful. It's uncomfortable. And it's usually the discomfort and the pain. That's what we point to to say, well, that's the reason why I'm having a bad day. That's the reason why this is a difficult season of life. But I want you to, to think about this equation right here, that, that bad days can actually lead to exponential growth if we endure and show resilience and lean into the strength that God provides and never quit. I love how James describes this in chapter one, verses two through four in the New Testament. And I, and I wanna read uh, the message paraphrase because I, I love uh, how it says it. 
James writes this. He says, consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and it shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so that you can become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. I love the word picture that it gives there is that uh, under pressure, contents get revealed. He says, when you've got pressure from all sides, your faith life comes out into the open. Uh, Several uh, days ago, I was in the pantry with my youngest daughter, Cadence, and she goes into the kitchen and she pulls out one of those Izzy drinks. I don't know if you know what those are, but they're supposedly like a little bit of a healthier version of a carbonated drink. I'm not sure if they are, but uh, she likes them and they're good. And uh, so uh, she pulls out one of those drinks and I notice out of my side vision that she takes the can and she shakes it twice and then proceeds to open it. And then when she does, I can begin to hear the, the fizz and the contents of that can starting to, to come out. And man, I turned around, I ran over and I jumped on that can like a live grenade. I just like took it underneath my shirt because I didn't want it to blow up all over the, the pantry. And I rushed it over to the sink and I turned around and she's standing there wide-eyed, hands like this. And she's like, uh, daddy, I had no idea it was gonna do that. And I said, why would you shake the can? And she said, I thought you were supposed to do that. Now, I think that she'd gotten it mixed up with like a bottle of orange juice. Like usually with orange juice, you shake it a couple times and open it. And I think that's, she got her wires crossed and that's what she did. But it was a very vivid reminder right then and there that contents get revealed under pressure. Oftentimes there are things in my character that uh, it's easy to sort of cover up or maybe to not even really notice when days are good when seasons are going well, but when life gets difficult, the contents get revealed. See, I want you to know and understand this important truth today is that growth and comfort are rivals. And if you value comfort too much, then you're gonna limit your ability to experience personal and spiritual growth. But if you wanna grow, then it's going to require you to endure through a fair amount of discomfort and pain. You're gonna have to learn how to navigate the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad days. And on the other side of our discomfort and pain lies the potential for exponential growth. And God wants you to grow. God wants you to experience personal and spiritual growth in every way, your spiritual growth, in your marriage, your relationships, your parenting, your finances, and, and especially your character. God wants you to grow. In fact, God wants you to grow more than he wants to rescue you from uncomfortable circumstances. You see, God will often keep you and me from going around something uncomfortable so that we might go straight through it. And in this current season, none of us are comfortable right now. But one of the things that that means is that we all have the opportunity to experience exponential growth like maybe no other time in our lives, but we've gotta be resilient. And that's what we've been talking about in this series. I wanna welcome everybody, wherever you may be joining us from around our city or around the world. Uh, if this is your first time joining us, just throw it into the chat. Your first time, we'd love to welcome you. We've been in this series 
called Resilience. And we've been studying the life of a guy named Joseph and we're wrapping it up today. Now, if you've, you've missed out, you can go back and you can get caught up. But uh, Joseph is a, a guy who uh, was talented and gifted and called by God. And God wants to use Joseph in incredible ways in his life. And eventually he does, but Joseph's life takes a 13 uh, year detour that was actually pretty painful. His brothers abandoned him. They sold him into slavery. He gets accused of something he didn't do. He gets forgotten in prison. Finally, um, Pharaoh has a dream that nobody can interpret. And Joseph interprets the dream with God's help. And he says, there's gonna be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. And so you better get ready for the seven years of famine. And so Pharaoh puts Joseph in charge and he's a phenomenal leader and he gets Egypt ready for the famine. Two years into the famine, guess who shows up? his brothers who had betrayed him all those years ago. And Joseph recognizes them, but they don't recognize him. And last week, if you were uh, joining us, Pastor Ryan did an amazing job of describing how Joseph sort of set his brothers up. He, he wanted to see if their character had really changed. And so uh, uh, he has a, uh, his, his brother, Benjamin, Joseph kind of sort of frames him up uh, and um, his brothers come to Benjamin's rescue. And there's this really powerful moment where Judah, uh, who was the very brother that sold Joseph into slavery. It was his idea. Judah steps up and says, I'll take Benjamin's place. I'll stay in Benjamin's place. And it was not only so meaningful for Joseph, but it was a foreshadowing of Jesus, our savior, who would step up to take our place. See, it's no accident that Jesus comes from the line of Judah. And right there, we see that this isn't just some great story about a young kid who grows up to be a great leader. This is a story about a foreshadowing of our savior, Jesus Christ. Well, that's where we left off last week. And I wanna wrap up Joseph's story today by starting in chapter 45, verse one. Follow along with me. It says, Joseph could stand it no longer. And there were many people in the room. And he said to his attendants, out all of you. So he was alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. Then he broke down and wept and he wept so loudly the Egyptians could hear him and word of it quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer and he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years and there will be neither plowing or harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all Egypt. Now, did you notice the refrain that Joseph kept coming back to? He kept saying, God has sent me, God has sent me, God has sent me. He didn't say you betrayed me. He didn't say God had abandoned me, which I think I would have been tempted to say that. But Joseph says, no, God God actually sent me here. Joseph is realizing something that God um, 
had sent him through his discomfort and his pain so that he might experience some exponential growth in his life that would then bless so many people. That's a real mark of spiritual maturity that it took a while for Joseph to grow into. You know, when uh, my uh, middle daughter uh, Kennedy was little, it it took her a little bit longer to learn how to walk in comparison to uh, our other kids. And uh, the the day came when she probably, uh, it was right around the time when most kids would learn to take their first few steps, but Kennedy was uh, uh, scooting around the house. You know, she would sit on her backside and she'd just kind of scoot around the house and she would hold up her arms and she would ask us to carry her around. Now, part of the problem uh, in delaying her ability to learn how to walk was uh, whenever she would cry, we'd just come pick her up and take her wherever she wanted to go. Uh, her older brother and sister, they would just uh, walk up to her and they would scoop her up and take her around. And so it was delaying her ability to, to walk. Anytime she would cry out in discomfort, we'd just come and rescue her. And so we had to have a family meeting and we had to say, listen, like even though Kennedy's gonna cry and even though she is gonna want us to come pick her up, we're gonna have to uh, not do it. We're gonna have to resist it and let her cry, let her be uncomfortable so that she finds the motivation to learn how to walk. Now, listen, that was easier said than done because I probably had the biggest, uh, the hardest time with it because whenever I would hear my little girl cry, I would wanna go and immediately console her and rescue her and calm her down. But as her dad, I had to come to this realization that I needed to let her cry and I needed to let her sit in her discomfort and her pain for her own good so that she would learn how to take some steps on her own. And it was so painful as our father because she would give me this look through her big crocodile tears and that, that, that pouty lip like, daddy, don't you love me? Daddy, don't you care about me? And everything within me wanted to go and rescue her. I was right there, but I loved her enough to leave her in that so that she would learn how to grow. And I'll never forget the day in the middle of her tears where she got up and she took her first few faltering steps across the kitchen. And you know, there've been plenty of times in my life where I've cried out to God and I've asked him to rescue me and get me out of this and console me out of my discomfort and pain. And and there've been moments where I'm like, God, you know, where are you? And I'm coming to see in retrospect that he's been there all along but that he wants me to experience growth. He wants me, instead of going around it, he wants me to go straight through it. I'm reminded of that great quote from C.S. Lewis. Maybe you've heard it. He says, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Now, listen, I know right now that you might be in a set of circumstances where it might feel as if God is silent, maybe as if God has abandoned you in some way, but can I reassure you that he is a good, good father and he is still there, that he is close to the brokenhearted. And if you're feeling brokenhearted right now, then God has promised that he has never been closer to you and he is right there. But instead of scooping us up out of painful circumstances, he oftentimes, in fact, most of the time, he sustains us through it so that we might experience growth on the other side of that discomfort and pain that we never could have gotten to on our own. So can I just share this important principle with you? You might write it down, take a screenshot, share it with those that you know, is that almost everything you and I want in life, but don't have is on the other side of your comfort zone. 
Let me say that again. Almost everything you want in life, but you don't have is on the other side of your comfort zone. So you, you want a better marriage? It's on the other side of your comfort zone. You, you want more sound finances? It's on the other side of your comfort zone. You wanna be a better parent. You wanna be a better friend. You wanna go further in your career. You wanna achieve your goals. You wanna grow spiritually to look more like Jesus. It is all on the other side of your comfort zone, which is why God oftentimes blesses us by not answering our prayers the way that we prayed them because he knows that that's gonna short circuit growth. And so God chooses to go about it another way. God chooses to sustain us through it and to carry us through it. And this is what we see in the life of Joseph. Now, verse 20, I think this is maybe the most pivotal verse in all of Joseph's story. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so that I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. You see, Joseph got it. Joseph understood that from his perspective, what looked like it was all gonna be for his harm was actually God intending it for his good. So let me just leave you with a couple of words of application here. Here's the first one is that God will often walk us through our pain rather than around it. And God often takes circumstances that we would never choose for ourselves. And he will use those circumstances to do a work that we could never do in ourselves on our own. And I know that I've been, I've been guilty in my life of prematurely declaring that maybe um, God didn't answer my prayer or that God had abandoned me or that he doesn't, doesn't care. And as I look back in retrospect, I see in my life, I can, I can look at you and say confidently that God has answered every single one of my prayers. He just didn't always answer them the way that I prayed them or in the timeline that I wanted him to. And I can actually look back and see that it's, it's a blessing. Now, listen, I'm not an old man. I'm kind of in the middle of the road. So I've got a lot more uh, to learn, but I've, I've uh, learned a lot already. And one of the things that I've discovered as I look back is I am so, so grateful that God has not answered all of my prayers the way that I prayed them. Because if he had, it would have derailed my life. And can you think about that for a minute? Just look back on your life and just think, you know, if God would have answered my prayer the way I wanted, then we would have moved to a place we never should have moved to. Or I would have taken a job that I shouldn't have taken. Or, or maybe, I, you know, I was dating that boy or that girl and I would have, you know, married them, but, you know, it didn't work out. I prayed that God would cause that to work out, but it didn't. And now, you know, I look at their Facebook profile and I'm like, whoo, you know, I dodged a bullet, you know, on that one because God really did know what he was doing. And I know it may not make sense right now in the present, but God is working all things out for your good, for your growth and for his glory. And so I'm learning to switch my prayers from God, get me out of this or God, give me this to God, would you give me the capacity to shoulder this? God, would you give me the ability to endure this, to be resilient, to walk through it with your strength? Here's the second word of application. Can I just encourage you right now when you're going through it, when you're going through a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day, would you surround yourself with people who will not let you quit? That's the biggest thing right now. And I think that one of the greatest challenges of this current crisis that we're in is just, um, you know, we wanna be around people and it, that's just become so challenging. 
As a pastor, this is excruciating for me to try to pastor people that I can't be within six feet of. And right now we need each other more than ever. And we're gonna have to dig in and show some endurance and some resilience. And we've got to continue to lean in and figure out how we can continue to encourage each other so that we don't quit. This is the idea behind the author of Hebrews. When he writes these words in chapter 12, one through three, he's talking about being encouraged by the faith of the people that have come before us. And I wanna read it once again from the message paraphrase because I like how he words it. It says, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blaze the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sin. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there, the place of honor, right alongside God. And when you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again and again, item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through. And I love this, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. And I just wanna encourage you right now. I know that right now we are in a marathon, not a sprint. I know that we are feeling fatigued. I know that this is challenging. Right now though, this is the time when the church of Jesus Christ should shine the brightest. This is the time in which we run in, we don't run away. And we actually get better through crisis as we minister to the needs of people offering help and hope that can come in and through Jesus Christ. And so can I just stir you up right now as a pastor who loves you? If you've started to drift away from your group right now because you're tired of Zoom meetings, then figure out another way to do it. You know, maybe get together at a distance outside and sit in a park somewhere with chairs so that way you can be around people. Uh, Call someone, write somebody a letter, encourage each other, figure out a way to serve one another. Can I just ask you to, to be praying for, for us as, as a church leadership as we try to plan out what the next several weeks and months look like because we do want to regather the church in safe ways that follow government guidelines, but we know how important it is that, that we are not separated and alone. And so we're trying to come up with plans and processes and we're praying it through, you know, what, what could we do? Could we do a drive-by prayer time? Could we do outdoor worship service? Um, we're trying to maybe do another run of Traders Point t-shirts. We're trying to do anything we can. Maybe, maybe it would be safe for, for your group to get together at a distance and maybe uh, do a watch party or, or watch the worship service together. We could be a church in homes uh, and um, uh, we, as we do our online worship on the weekends. But we're trying to figure all that out. We pray, uh, we would ask that you would pray for wisdom and clarity as we navigate the next stage of this crisis, but can I just thank you as a church for your generosity and your love and your encouragement as we stick through this together and show some resilience. Last thing I wanna share with you as we wrap up this series is that on the other side of Jesus' pain on the cross was our comfort and salvation. And I want you to know that Jesus has never asked us to do anything that he wasn't willing to do himself. And I'm reminded of that prayer that Jesus prayed in the garden where he said, Father, if there's any other way, could you show it to me right now? 
You hear what he's asking? God, if there's a way for me to go around the discomfort of the cross, would you show it to me? And the way that God answered that prayer was no, you need to go straight through it. And what kept Jesus on the cross wasn't the nails. It wasn't the intimidation of the Roman soldiers. It was his love for you and me, where he knew that he was gonna have to go straight through that discomfort to give us hope and to give us salvation. And today, if you are ready to make Jesus the Lord and savior of your life, I would just uh, wanna lead you to that uh, right there where you're watching this from, wherever you may be. All you have to do is just acknowledge your sin, acknowledge your inability to go through this life on your own, recognize that he is God, that Jesus is the mediator and the savior between you and God. And you just simply wanna surrender your life to him and the Holy Spirit will enter into you and begin to help you to grow exponentially to look more and more like Jesus. And part of that response is baptism. And man, uh, I, well, it's one of the things I'm missing is, is actually baptizing people. And we wanna figure out creative ways to do that too. And uh, so we're actually trying to figure out, could we set up an outdoor baptistry where maybe you show up with your life group or your immediate family? Uh, if it's uh, maybe not totally safe to do so, you can just get in the baptistry by yourself. A pastor will be outside. We'll lead you through your confession. And if you need to, you just lower yourself. That's totally legal. It, it'll work. But if you are ready to be baptized, then we'd love to hear from you. Just follow this, this link, tpcc.org baptism. And we would love to follow up with you and schedule a time where you can safely be baptized in the coming weeks. Uh, that would be the greatest thrill for us. So can I, can I right now just pray for, for all of us as we wrap up this series together. Father, we come to you right now and Lord, I just, uh, first of all, want to celebrate with anyone and everyone that decided today to give their lives to you, to draw that line in the sand and to say, I'm all in, I wanna follow after Jesus. And would they make themselves known by throwing that into the chat or by following up through the link so that we can celebrate with them and pray with them as a church family. God, there's a big party in heaven right now because of that one person who chose to give their life to Jesus. Father, I pray that you would give us strength, endurance and resilience as we navigate through these challenging, uncomfortable days, knowing that exponential growth lies on the other side of it as we lean into your strength and your power if we don't quit. And God, we need to be the church more than ever and we need the church more than ever. So would you give us wisdom to know God, how to be the church in these challenging times. And we know that you are allowing this for a reason. And we continue to declare our trust in you as we desire to look more and more like you on the other side of this crisis. Thank you for Jesus and the hope that he gives. We ask this in your name, amen.